Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. are the salt of the earth. Now, in order to understand this, I traveled to Redmond, Utah to descend 410 feet down into a salt mine. And what I discovered is, is that the salt that is found in that ancient seabed preserved in time is not like the salt that often graces mine and your table. Happy Easter weekend, and thank you for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot, and Gabe, because of the coronavirus, this is a different Easter for all of us. Churches are dispersed and, you know, viewing things online. Or some might say instead of dispersed, we're deployed. Well, anyway, for families, we can still make this a meaningful time. What is God doing in your life, in your family's life, in the church? It's so many things we can't expect, but we can look forward with hopefulness. And I hope you're doing that. And I want to just encourage you to take time to do that, especially with those you're in closest community with, to take a moment for serious conversation and reflection and make sure this time and this moment doesn't pass us by without doing that. Yes, hopefully you'll have some meaningful conversations in your family, not just about the meaning of the gospel that we focus on at Easter, but how that message is applied to life. We also hope that you have some good times as families around a special holiday meal. Actually, today we're going to focus on a couple of talks about food, fellowship, and the gospel. First, though, a reminder that Q2020 is less than two weeks away. And as we've been mentioning, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're moving this into being a two-day online virtual summit on April 22nd and 23rd. This is going to be a Q like you've never experienced, a totally new format. But there's going to be a number of talks and conversations happening that we just think are so consequential in 2020. Not only is it the beginning of a new decade in American life, this is the election year, so things get a little extra tense. There's a lot more questions, people trying to figure out, how do I think about this? How do I faithfully live out what I believe but start to do that within a culture where there's so much conflict, disagreement, where people don't want to listen anymore? And at Q2020... We're going to create space where it's not only prayerful, where we're inviting God into this with us and into this year and into our leadership, but it's also educational, informing. We're going to have some of the best thought leaders, those who are thinking about where this world's going, where the culture's going, where technology's going, where faith is going, and we're going to analyze that, but we're also going to ask God to help us with that, to help us creatively imagine what should this next year look like? How are we going to be leading throughout that? And we're going to invite people to talk about some of those difficult topics you've come to love that Q wants to address, that it's hard to find spaces where we can talk about these things. We're going to be talking about gender. We're going to be talking about censorship. We're going to be talking about race. We're going to be talking about conflict. We're going to be talking about free speech. We're going to be talking about conspiracy theories, talking about all the things that are part of the buzz right now that are really part of the conversations that maybe you just had over your last few weeks of holidays at Thanksgiving or Christmas, talking with family. And we need places as leaders to have those conversations, to learn together, to discuss, to think well about these things, not just to react, but to actually lead. 
Again, Q2020, the virtual summit, coming up quickly. So visit qideas.org slash 2020 for all the details and to get registered. Let's get to the first of our two talks today, both about food. There's something about a holiday and eating, but what if you have a condition that makes many common holiday foods a health problem for you? You might feel left out of the celebrations. Well, Danielle Walker knows that story, but she found a way to put food back on the table for her gatherings, as it were. And Gabe, a few years ago, your wife Rebecca had a chance to talk with her about her story. Let's listen in. So excited to welcome my friend Danielle to the Q community. She is a dear, brilliant woman whose transformation story really took place and began on a hospital bed in Uganda I did. in 2008. <laughs> yes. So that's not obviously where it began, but that's where everything starts to change for you. So give us yeah. a picture of what got you there and what came out of that moment. Yeah, so I had been diagnosed uh, with an autoimmune disease a few months before we had plans to go to Uganda on a humanitarian trip to work up in the north. And the flight essentially just kind of did me and the stress of it, I think just the traveling. And when we got there, um, things just progressively got worse and I was wheeled off the airplane in a wheelchair, um, ended up in a hospital, if you will, quote unquote, if you know hospitals in Uganda. Um, I was on pretty much a plank board, which you can see in the photo. Um, and remember having my blood drawn in like a plastic white chair. <laughs> uh, and after being there for about a week and a half while everybody else went up and worked in the camps, um, the doctor just said, you need a blood transfusion. We can't do that here in Africa. And so you need to get back to the U.S. immediately. So my husband and I boarded planes um, and made our way back and um, things just... That's the photo in the top right. Yeah, yeah top right. Um, one of the little girls that was traveling with us gave me her teddy bear yeah, <laughs> while I was sweet. there. Um, and so we made, it was about a 24-hour journey, made the journey home and I was admitted to the hospital right away and um, just continued to get more and more sick. And so I was diagnosed with something called ulcerative colitis. It's an autoimmune disease. Um, there's about 80 to 100 different autoimmune diseases that kind of plague Americans. Um, over 50 million Americans, one in five, have autoimmune conditions. Um, 50 and million? 50 million. Wow. Yeah, and 75% of those are women. Okay. Um, and there's probably more that are just undiagnosed. Right. So it can be anything from ulcerative colitis, which is what I had, and it's very similar to Crohn's disease, um, to rheumatoid arthritis, to multiple sclerosis, um, mm -hmm. psoriasis. Lupus, there's tons. You've probably heard of many of them um, and just and didn't they know. They might start with symptoms, mm -hmm. right, for a while that people tolerate or deal yes. with but long <laughs> before they're diagnosed. And what are some of the most common symptoms that people see early on? Infl well, you know, inflammation? Just, yeah, inflammation, but it just really depends on what the disease is. So, yeah. you know, for someone with, with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, you have digestive problems. With somebody with psoriasis, you're, you know, your skin is affected and there's arthritis or your joints are affected so it can be a slew yeah. of all different things right. um, and that's why sometimes they're difficult to be diagnosed and right. um, it can take some time and people sometimes right. just live with the symptoms for so a while. So you're home you get back home you make the trip mm -hmm. home but you're still very sick and so yes. the doctors they figure out what's going on but they don't have a solution you were sharing yeah. with me that they just kept giving you medication yeah, all kinds. <laughs> yes so 
Uh, when I walked into the doctor's office, he basically looked at me and said, you need multiple blood transfusions. If you wouldn't have come back, you would have died. Um, and so I'm glad that you're here. So they, they checked me in and they just ended up putting me on 100 milligrams of prednisone steroids, which is really, really high. Started chatting about, you know, either removing a portion of my colon or putting me on this lifelong medication that I'd have to go in for IV infusions um, every six weeks that would shut down my com complete immune system. Um, and so that just created a whole other um, slew of issues. The medications were making me so sick, I had to take a medical leave from my job. Wow. Um, I could barely get up a flight of stairs. Right. I dropped about 30 pounds in two weeks. Right. So um, that photo that you wow. see there is me just completely emaciated because part of my autoimmune condition is that my body doesn't absorb nutrients. So even though I was eating, um, nothing was getting absorbed so um, you took you took matters into your own hands you're like i need this this is not going to work and yeah. you started researching online and reading all these testimonials of yeah. lives that were changing and did that just inspire you like okay it's time i'm yeah. gonna try this yeah so i asked every single doctor that i saw you know can is there something that i'm eating or not getting enough of that could be affecting this and every doctor that i saw said diet doesn't help it it doesn't cure it and it doesn't cause it wow and um, so you that just was need to the take these medications responds. okay yeah and i I just didn't want to take that for an answer. I didn't Good. want to live the rest of my life feeling like this. And I started researching online and found some chat boards. I mean, back then there wasn't much, right. you know, besides chat boards. And I started hearing of some people that experienced less inflammation and saw some of their different autoimmune conditions mm -hmm. being helped by going off of grains and dairy um, and, you know, refined sugars and a, a few other things, which felt like the end of the world for me right. at first. <laughs> What's Especially left? Especially at 22. <laughs> uh, you exactly. know, I was super young, grew up in an Italian family, and I was like, oh my gosh, so I had this disease that's incurable I feel terrible and I can't enjoy life because I can't have any food that I like um, but just hearing those testimonials from people and then actually ultimately moving in next door to somebody who had the same disease that I did which I'd never heard of before and going over to their house for dinner and she cooked us a meal that kind of was within this way of eating and, and after, it tasted good and it tasted good yeah <laughs> you know and I, and I just remember seeing her and her family and she had been in remission for a couple of years and had children and I didn't have any kids yet and that was one thing that I was so concerned about with that disease as a newlywed and so young that I thought I don't know if I'll ever be able to have a family not only right. will I maybe never be able to get pregnant or will I not be able to care for these kids because I'm so sick all the time and so to see her and to be around her table and to see that she was actually thriving in life um, you know by had changing her diet was kind of something that spurred me on to actually give it a shot so you started and you saw immediate results and then you started a blog yeah. and then all of a sudden I mean this turned into an online community yeah you know how many people have been impacted I know you're going to hate to share this. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ask it that way. It's just millions of people have responded yeah. around this idea. And you've had three cookbooks now, yes. right? <laughs> um, what what has been just kind of the most... Because uh, here here's the point, right? Calling, right? It's yeah. like it's like how your pain becomes purpose. And yeah. you're, you're putting that out into the world. And yeah. what has been the most encouraging part of it all? Just to see people taking just that to, back? Yes, just to see the life transformations of people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was really difficult for me to look back. After I did an elimination diet, within 24 hours, my symptoms improved 80%. Wow. And so after that point, I mean, it took a long time to rebuild my health. But after that point, I just said, okay, I have to stick to this. My oldest was nine months old. 
old and I couldn't take care of him. I was bedridden for months and he couldn't come visit me in the hospital. And I just said, this has to be a new way of life for me. I can't look back. And because of how much it impacted me, I said, if I share this story and it helps one young mother, you know, be able to be back in her child's life or it helps somebody, you know, that's been sick, be able to get back to work or get back to cooking or doing something that they love, then me sharing my pain is worth it. And Within a few months, you know, my blog just started getting tons of hits in social media and there's a couple million people that come to it every month Um, and there's, you know, social community of, of, again, over a million of people and and I just hear... continual testimonials of people that are being helped and and you know not just my disease but some of those other autoimmune mm-hmm. disease that I mentioned people that have migraines that have mm-hmm. joint pain that aren't sleeping well and it's the amazing thing to me is that it's just real food mm-hmm. in the way that it was originally created mm-hmm. before it was you know put into factories and <laughs> preserved. The, the preserved and the food that we eat in this country is just a lot different than it used yeah, to look right. and so it's mm-hmm. not medications or supplements it's mm-hmm. literally just reverting back to mm-hmm. food the way that it was mm-hmm. grown and you know before it was yeah. processed <laughs> and her cookbooks are stunning and full of flavor i mean you're it's so fun you're always like in a test kitchen if you find her on instagram or on on social media she's at against all grain and she she'll store you right through she'll like tell you she'll pour it in the bowl and mix it right in front of you so for for like newbies like me that's still kind of learning this new way of cooking it's a real inviting way to try this and and especially to see the change and yeah and and so many of these women who are kind of losing their energy or their vitality in in cooking for their own children this has invited them back to do this in their own home yes and you just did a cookbook this last fall, which was gorgeous, called Celebrations. And around the theme that Gabe was just talking about, the, the idea of hospitality and inviting people in. Yeah. That Talk a little bit about what inspired that project. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the biggest things for me as somebody who grew up in a family that did have a lot of hospitality. My grandma would host, you know, 40 people at a time every Christmas, and she'd cook the entire meal from scratch. And a mom who, you know, maybe not from scratch, but used a lot of, she cooked a lot, but used a lot of canned goods and things like that, but just always had people around our table. They were always inviting people in. And so when I had to change my diet and then when I was too sick to even cook, that was something that I felt like I really mourned because I I didn't feel like I could have people into my home. Um, I didn't feel like I could go to somebody's house and eat because I had to eat differently. And so that kind of project was not only my feelings, but just what I felt from everybody else was that they just really still wanted to be able to entertain. They wanted to be able to revive those traditions that came around holidays, you know, so many different traditions and memories that are centered around food. If you think about every holiday that you probably grew up with, there's probably something in your mind that you can pick out, whether it's, you know, making gingerbread houses with your family or whether it was, you know, coming in and having, I don't know, you know, sweet potatoes every Thanksgiving. There's just something that you remember that that kind of evokes that nostalgia of of different traditions. And you don't want to miss that just because you have Mm -hmm. dietary restrictions. Right. So food becomes medicine, and it mm-hmm. changed your life and so many others who are, are learning from that. Yeah. Um, and hospitality is obviously in your blood. Um, yes. <laughs> I love that every time you come visit, there's a group of us that have just become close here in Nashville, and every time Danielle comes in town, she she basically makes herself right at home and hosts all of us with a whole spread, even if it's one of our homes. And I just love that about you and how you invite people to do the same. That was Rebecca Lyons' conversation with Danielle Walker of Against All Grain. You can learn more about her at againstallgrain.com. 
You know, food is such an important part of our lives. Of course, we need it to live, but it also has a special place when we gather with others. And the Bible uses it to teach us about God. Gabe, that brings us to our second talk from speaker Margaret Feinberg. And what I love about Margaret, she's an incredible author and writer, but the way that she's been doing her books lately is full-on experience. She's doing deep dives into different elements of the world, and then she reports back. It kind of helps you experience that. And this Lessons from a Salt Mine is just that. She's taken us literally into a salt mine to understand how salt works. What did Jesus mean about salt? And as we think about the year ahead, what does it look like for each of us to be salt? Salt that's going to not be tasteless, but it's going to preserve, but also is going to bring out the flavor in what God has for you and in your industry and in your vocation and your calling and your community. And she talks more about that in her new book, Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. And you're going to hear all about food and what she's learned. So let's listen in now to this conversation on Lessons from a Salt Mine. Over the course of the last year, I have been on a rather unusual culinary spiritual adventure, looking at food in the Bible. This journey took me to Israel, where I fished on the Galilee. I traveled to Croatia, where I brought in an olive harvest. I picked figs in Madeira, California. I even tracked down the head of Yale Divinity School who happens to be an expert on ancient grains, called him up, introduced myself, and invited myself to his house to bake bread for the afternoon. Because that's what normal people do. And serial killers. I even went to McKinney, Texas, to graduate from a Steakology 101 course from a man who calls himself the Meat Apostle. And with each of these individuals, I opened up the scripture and I simply asked, how do you read these passages, not as theologians, but in light of what you do every day? And their answers changed the way that I read the Bible forever. Time and time again, I found myself asking, how have I grown up in the church? How have I studied the scriptures? How have I listened to so many sermons and podcasts? And no one has told me these things. This became the journey and the foundation for the book and study taste and see. And what I wanted to do today was just share just one facet of one particular food that helped me taste and see God's goodness. And that was salt. Now, for many of us today, salt is so affordable. It is so inexpensive. It is so accessible that we don't give it a second thought. But that has not been the case for most of human history. It was actually the Egyptians who were some of the first to discover the value of salt. They learned that if they took a piece of protein like meat or fish and they would make cuts into it and they would apply salt, that suddenly that valuable food source that once went bad in 24 or 36 hours could now last 24 to 36 months. And in the process, curing was born. The Romans, during the time of Christ, who ruled during that time, were also salt aficionados. Why? Because the Roman Empire was one that was always expanding through military force. And what they discovered is when you put a soldier on the battlefield, that person will sweat profusely. And if the salt is not replaced, then that person can experience confusion, dizziness, even brain damage. And so they began including salt in the soldier's pay. And in Latin, the root word for salt is the word sal. 
And so that is where we get the word salary from. It's also where we get the words like salad from, meaning vegetables seasoned with salt. And I believe that it is this historical context that helps breathe in fresh insight into one of the most powerful declarations that Jesus Christ made of you and me. And it appears in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13, when Jesus, after preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he began to deliver the Beatitudes. As he's coming after the Beatitudes, he makes this declaration, you are the salt of the earth. Now, in order to understand this, I traveled to Redmond, Utah, to descend 410 feet down into a salt mine. And what I discovered is is that the salt that is found in that ancient seabed preserved in time is not like the salt that often graces mine and your table. So my new salty bestie, Neil, sent me home with this. And this is a picture of salt from that salt mine. And if you look at it, what you'll discover is that there are some peach and some brown hues, and the red colors come from the iron and the brown from the magnesium. And in this salt, what Neil explained to me was is the darker portions that actually the chefs prefer the most, because that will help bring out the highest and the lowest notes in the dishes that they are preparing. And so when I saw this, what I began to recognize is that when Jesus was talking about the salt of the earth, he was never talking about our highly refined, chemically altered, infused with iodine since 1924, salt that most of us have today. But rather, he was talking about salt that was hewn from its natural circumstances and its natural environment, whether that was the Dead Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, or the salt mines in Israel. In the same way that you and I have been hewn by God in our unique places, our unique geographies, our unique upbringings, our unique parents that we experienced, our unique situations, our unique strengths and weaknesses and quirks and personalities, and that God wants to use all of that as he expresses his salvation in this world. But for those in antiquity who read this passage and heard Jesus actually preach those words live, when they heard them, they would have recognized that what Jesus was saying is that if you are the salt of the earth, that you are a preserving agent. That just like in the time of the Egyptians when they discovered the preserving of the salt within the meat, so too God has called each of us to be preserving agents in this day, now, time, in this slice of history. It is no mistake where God has placed you here to do what? To preserve the ways, the life, and the teaching of Jesus Christ. But it's not just that you are preserving agents, because those who heard Jesus' words would have recognized what we know too today, and that is if you are the salt of the earth, you are also a flavoring agent. That each of us is called in the image of God to go forth as the salt and bring the flavor of heaven down here to earth. But if you look in this passage in the Gospel of Matthew, what you'll discover is that this six-word declaration is followed by almost a 20-word warning. And it says this, it says, salt is good. In the Gospel of Luke, takes it a different way and says, says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. And I thought, what does salt have to do with manure and soil? Well, we have a very cute puppy by the name of Hershey. And this little guy that you'll see on the screen, is he's amazing. We live in Utah. And what we discover is that we have a lot of snow. And when it melts this time of year, Hershey leaves little kisses in the backyard. 
And what I discovered is that if you will take salt and you will apply it to the manure, to, to that, what it will cause is it will cause it to break down in such a way that it will actually preserve the nutrients, prevent the manure from rotting so that the vegetation can flourish. And so my hunch is, is that when you came to Q today, you did not know you were going to get a lesson in science, history, Bible, and poop. But the other part of that passage points to the idea that it's not just manure, it's salt is also good for the soil. And the question is, is what did he mean by that? And it turns out that too much salt will ruin the soil, but just the right amount of salt, it will actually cause the vegetation to flourish. And even today, if you go to buy miracle Grow, you'll discover that one of the prime ingredients is a form of sodium chloride. And even today, one of the top exports of the Dead Sea remains fertilizer salt. You see, when Jesus was calling us the salt of the earth, he was not just saying you are an agent of flavoring and you are an agent of preserving. He was saying you are an agent of human flourishing and you are called to bring life and divine vitality everywhere you go. And the places that you go sometimes are going to be stinky and difficult and hard, and it is the very place that God has called you to go. But what's interesting is that it is not just the word salad and salary that are derived from that word salt. The word salvation is derived from the same Latin root. You see, it is your saltiness that brings salvation to a hurt, lost, and dying world. My birthday recently passed, and I I prayed this really dangerous prayer, and I just, I prayed this, don't pray this unless you want your life wrecked. I prayed this, and I said, God, I want all of the Holy Spirit, and it has turned my life upside down. I spent most of my years in ministry feeling so awkward about inviting people to the person of Jesus Christ, but what has happened in me is that I, I can't go to an event anymore and not invite people to know Christ. And I believe that as we lean into the work that God is doing in this age, that as we go forth as agents of flourishing and agents of preserving, as agents of flavoring, that we must not forget our central call to be those who introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and all of the salvation he is offering to humanity. So go forth and be the salt of the earth. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Margaret, the perfect talk to listen to over this holiday and just better understand the depths of the stories that Jesus told and why they matter and just gives you this new appreciation for Scripture and just the dimension at which we need to look at these things and understand them. And the more we understand them, the more beautiful the story is. Well, thanks, Gabe. Again, although this Easter is a bit different this year with families self-isolating, hopefully food will be an enjoyable part of your gathering. And whether it's making hot cross buns or other special dishes and treats, hopefully you can find foods that can help you also reinforce the gospel with your family. Thanks again for listening. On behalf of Gabe and the team, I'm Paul Perot. Have a blessed Easter weekend. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media.
Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.